0: Welcome to Making It, a podcast where we explore all the joys and challenges of being an independent maker. I'm your host, Mike Williams. I'm a small business owner/slash maker from Maryland. As I discovered my love for making things, I also discovered my love of talking to other makers, seeing their craft to learn from them, finding out the story of what drives them, and that's what we're going to do with today's guest, Vicky Soma. Vicky is a 3D printer from Virginia, and we met in 2015 at the Nova Maker Fair in Northern Virginia, near DC, uh, where we got to talk about 3D printing and I got to discover a little bit more about Vicki's craft. Uh, we met through Shapeways as a community member and since then we've discussed many of 3D printing projects, how to collaborate, how, how to do things that we want to do that we didn't know how to do. So hello Vicki, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing great, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, doing good. So to get us started, I would uh, like you to tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, Uh, my name is Vicki Soma, I'm from a little town called Occoquan, Virginia, which is about 20 miles south of Washington, D.C. And uh, my day job, I'm a computer programmer, and as computer programmers, you're 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 always learning new technologies and you have puzzles to solve and mysteries to track down. And I think a lot of that translates to, to making when you, you have an idea that you want to make and you have to you have the limitations of the technologies or the resources that are available to you and you have to figure out how to make it work. So um, I would say my making is predominantly 3d printing. And I got involved in 3D printing um, in 2015. I was on maternity leave. And at the time, I wanted a necklace that uh, matched the international symbol of breastfeeding. And I couldn't find exactly what I wanted out in the mass market. And luckily, uh, this is the, the joy of uh, making, is you don't have to be bound to buy what someone else has decided to create and sell. You can make what you want. And um, I didn't own a 3D printer, but there are 3D printing services companies out there. And so what I did is I learned the 3D modeling software Blender. It's free. And I learned it in little tiny chunks because I had an infant son. Uh, So my learning was just in 10 or 15-minute increments. Uh, But it all adds up. And after about three months, I had a model that I was satisfied with and I uploaded it up to um, the, the company Shapeways. And um, a few days later, the idea that I had in my head, I was holding in my hand. And at that point in time, I got pretty addicted. And I 3D printed for a year without owning my own 3D printer. And that's something that you can really do in this day and age. Uh, not only are there 3D printing services companies like Shapeways or Sculptio, there is a lot of maker spaces out there uh, in my area, there's a Nova Labs in Western Virginia, and then libraries and schools have three uh, D printers and uh, sometimes even laser cutters that uh, are available for people to use.
0: So it's, uh, it's also so you started with with the breastfeeding. Uh, what, what did you design for that?
1: It was just a little necklace for myself um, that you know just wore around my neck, um, helped keep me uh strong and uh, persistent about breastfeeding
0: right sounds amazing uh and then with your learning blender and your uh continued use of it uh you wrote a book on it
1: yeah over (laughs) it's funny how uh, your knowledge does add up and over the summer is approached by a publisher who saw some of, um, I do a lot of 3D printed houses now, um, houses that are in my town, um, and uh, I think they ran across a blog post or video on that, and they asked if I would be interested in writing a book. And so... um, Uh, Yeah, that was my my summer project, a lot of 4 a.m., 5 a.m., getting up uh, to work on the book before getting my kids ready for school and uh, doing my my normal work day. And, um, yeah, that book got published in December, late December, and it's available up on Amazon. It's called Blender 3D Printing by Example.
0: That's awesome. We'll have a link for that with the podcast so that people can find it and check it out. Um, not a problem. So, um, with, with your 3D printing of the buildings, uh, is that the history of the buildings, the history of your towns, very important to you?
1: Yes, I, I did grow up in this town and uh, moved back here uh, to raise my boys. And I think um, it, it first started with uh, the governor's uh, mansion of Virginia, uh, reached out to all of the towns and counties. And they wanted um, everybody to do a, a handmade ornament uh, for their tree, their holiday tree. And so uh, my town reached out to me to pick me. And so uh, I did uh, ancient, uh, like a little part of a, a building that, that's a historic building in my town at the, the Millhouse Museum. And so that was on the mansion one, the, yeah, that was on the holiday tree one year and then the next year the town asked me to do it again. So I did um a uh, it's called the Rockledge Mansion. A lot of people get married there. My sister got married there. And it uh, turns out uh places where people get married and engaged, they're very sentimental places. So I've printed a number of these Rockledge Mansions for people who want um, a souvenir or a Christmas ornament to remind them of their wedding or a special event. So I've actually I've sold quite a few of those. And then um, a gazebo I did on my town um, that's sentimental to me. My grandmother used to take me there, and I take my boys there. I totally, totally thought it would only be of interest to people in my town, um, but yeah, I saw a lot of these gazebos because people get engaged in gazebos, and you know, they I've, I've had a few of them that've been on um, wedding cakes and stuff too. So that's that's one of the items I have on my Etsy shop that's been a surprise to me.
0: That's always amazing and a joy when something that you'd make for yourself because it's sentimental to you and then the other people, you find that other people are also interested in it.
1: Yeah. I've also found making stuff for my mom or my husband, Um, you know, like I'll do a design, you know, just to sort of impress my husband or to do something for my mom and it turns out those tend to have appeals to other people. I guess, you know, like, if you have a loved one in mind, it's it's possible that that design is going to appear, appeal to other people's loved ones as well.
0: Yes, uh, definitely. Your history of the town, your family, it all seems very involved in what you do. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, something that anyone can relate to, I think, that taking your own passions and being able to... Make something unique and special for it.
1: Yes, and never underestimate the power of a personalization, I think, uh, especially in uh, this day and age where a lot of children have um, uh, unique names. Um, my children are, you know, have a Sagan and a Dyson, mm-hmm. and these are two kids that aren't going to go into a gas station or souvenir shop and find like the little keychain that has their name on it or the little uh, lanyard that has their name. Uh, embroidered on it um, but through 3d printing I'm able to you know I can put their name on anything pretty much and uh, what we do each year over here is uh, for we just 3d print really simple valentines with the names of the the children in their classes and so um, these young children who may not get to see their name on other things they get to see their name on a heart a customized customize valentines for them
0: and that's always amazing to be able to have that personal touch on things. Uh, and more than just a, you know, a little handwritten valentine, it's it's more permanent being 3D printed, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Look.
1: And you did that a little bit too with your baseballs, right? You, didn't you have um, baseballs that were personalized?
0: Yeah, I, I'd done um, uh, laser-etched baseballs. Uh, I also did uh, some 3D printed ones. uh where uh, for people that aren't familiar with Baltimore and the Orioles, they have the uh, plaques out on Utah Street where balls have hit the have hit Utah Street. So it's uh, uh, been a couple of years, so I'm a little behind on them, but I, I've made every single plaque into a 3D print and then also offered it as a customizable thing where people could put their name on it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then I do the mallets where... Uh, I was just
1: thinking about the mallets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I, I do a good bit of them and uh, that's another thing where I, I've done displays where I'll put you know common names on the display but then there's always the option that they can contact me and get their own their own uh, unique name that isn't as uh, common and likely to be bought off the shelf.
1: Have you seen any of those be used at weddings yet?
0: Oh, I've sold uh, uh, quite a few to weddings. Uh, I did a, a large order for a funeral a couple years ago, where the guy was uh, a you know commercial crabberman, and uh, so yeah, they wanted crabs and mallets for the funeral.
1: You know, that's interesting. Little, um, I I did something for a funeral. Um, yeah, they, it's they just wanted a it's like a sheriff's badge that said "fun police" that they that <laughs> put on the deceased. Right. So that is, yeah, you never really, you don't think of that as an opportunity uh, for 3D printing or, or making. But, yeah, that would be a, a meaningful gesture for someone.
0: Right. And, you know, people hang on to, like, the, the funeral cards that have the little prayer, little story about the person. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's market there for a more memorable uh, keepsake uh, to remember a person by.
1: You, know, you, you just don't you don't
0: think of it offhand. Yeah, you always you know there's always new markets and new uh, avenues that uh, present themselves, and it, it's often it, I I often find that it's never the avenue that I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I market target towards one sector, and it becomes uh, something completely different.
1: Oh, I have a story about that. A little bit. Go ahead. (laughs) I did these little um, cork kitties, you know, like, where I 3D print the heads and the rear ends, and you put them on an old wine cork. Mm -hmm. And in my head, when I was going to my first craft show, I was thinking... But these are going to be for adults. You know, I, I had a friend who put a slice in the cork and used it as little place labels and uh, label uh, of like, what the entree is at a buffet. Like, these are stuffed shells or this is lasagna, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking it was for adults, but it's all, it's children. It's <laughs> children who buy it because it's little toys. And I had the the signs all along in front of me because in my workroom my kids were playing with the kitty cats all the time and I just did not think like oh I'm gonna market this and price this for kids you know right now I do
0: yeah and that, that's another one I've tried doing uh, stuff with the beer and the corks and stuff oh, corks that uh, with the corks yeah <laughs> and um, yeah it's it's always surprising with who who catches on to it when you're <laughs> You're, you're, you have this idea of who you're marketing to and it goes in a different direction
1: yeah.
0: so do you remember the first time you saw something that made you think I want to do that something you know 3d printed and you were like you know what I can use that you know for your your uh, breastfeeding pendant
1: uh, well I do remember it's funny now that I went to the science, USA Science and Engineering Festival a number of years ago and I saw 3D printers and I was not impressed at all. (laughs) Um, I think it took the um, powder printers, you know, the industrial printers that uh, Mm -hmm. companies like Shapeways have. I think seeing that work um, is what initially drew me into 3D printing. And although I do covet to have a SLS, selective laser and centering printer of my own one day. Um, I do have to say my um, love is stronger for my own home printers now than the industrial printers. Um, my home printers, I have more hackability, I have more control. I can uh, I can bed objects like mirrors or nuts inside of it because I'm, I'm doing the printing. I can pause it and, and do what I want with it. Um, so I think, I'm getting more satisfaction out of my own printers right now, um, but there's certainly, certainly, strong use cases for the industrial company still. Uh, I had a friend who finished a tri- triathlon after many, many years of training, and uh, I think uh, two failed attempts. You know, she finally finished, and she wanted a special ring to commemorate that. And that obviously is a is a great. Use case for the cast metals that one of the three um, D printing service bureaus can do, where I believe they they print your design in wax and then they make a cast, you know, and it just as goes through a real traditional casting pro- process um, right. to make real real jewelry. Um. So yeah, I still still do some things through the printing bureaus, but um, most of what I sell is is just from my own machines.
0: Yeah, the SLS machines, uh, in my experience. They're, they're not as fun to watch. <laughs> uh, oh, really? <laughs> because well, they, they lay down a layer of powder and then the laser hits it, which is kind of cool looking, but you don't get to see it being built like you do with an FDM printer. <laughs> uh, so a- until the final product and they pull it out of the powder and shake it off. And that, that's another thing, it's a very, uh, a lot messier. Um, yeah, from my experience with the with the clean rooms and everything it's it's a very sealed area very uh, humidity and temperature controlled just to get everything right but then the finished product is uh, you yeah, know a little bit better resolution I think uh, I know FDM's probably catching up a lot in that um, but then there's not not any of the cleanup of the support material which is a oh, bonus good. yeah that would
1: have been handy with <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the the print we were doing yesterday, there's a <laughs> lot of support material. Which for that, um, you know, I've been interested since they came out with the, the Form 1 and now the Form 2 printers uh, from Formlabs, uh, which I, I believe they use a, uh, a secondary or a, a dissolvable support, do you know? Um.
1: You know, I'm not sure offhand. I knew that uh, the overhangs, when you're designing for the resin printers, is they could do 60% overhangs or something. They could do substantially more than what you could do support-free with the, the FDMs. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't do know they, how- I, I think it's a, it's a, res, a UV-sensitive resin. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a light that's sort of curing it um, as it goes. And each layer, I think it has, to, it has to peel your object off and put it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the peeling process is something you have to keep in mind when you're designing for it to, to make sure your your object is going to be strong enough to as it peels back and forth between layers.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: so a, as a little disclaimer, I have never printed on a resin printer. <laughs> right. So just from what I've read and stocking it and... You know, I've been uh, coveting a Form 2 for a while until the four, uh, the Fuse One came out. Now that's my new dream is the Fuse One.
0: Right? Yeah, I know. Um, with the I think it was the Object printers that it, it works from the bottom up, and where the the Form printers they they hang it, so, so it's printing uh, kind of like printing upside down. Um, so I don't know how that affects the uh, peeling and everything. That I think. Their process makes it a little uh, simpler. But yeah, it's all inter- very interesting technology with uh, all the different processes out there. Uh, you're getting castable materials, you get uh, with, with the form uh, labs, I've seen that they've come out with a, uh, a ceramic material. Uh, so you could print your own ceramics as uh, some services have moved away from that process. Not to name yeah. any names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is good. The ceramics are quite beautiful. Have a have a coffee cup.
0: Yeah. Um, the the price, though, has never been very competitive. Like you said, yeah. with the rings, you could easily model a ring and 3D print it and have a finished product that is... That you could go to a store and it'd be yeah, similar in price.
1: It is competitive to... Traditional jewellery, yes. Right. But then when you the the coffee cup I made, I think it was like eighty four dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um which is not competitive with your coffee cups that you can see out and about.
0: But then you have the customizable aspect of it and you put your name on it, put your face on it, where the mass produced ones yeah, you can't do that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you have a laser then you can uh, etch it on there. All right, so um, well, what is your personal touch to your craft that you feel makes your your 3D printing unique compared to other makers?
1: Oh, goodness. That's a tough one. I, no, I think I don't do a lot of printing of the designs of the day. Um, you see a lot of, um, you know, on the 3D printing communities, uh, these tend to go through... Uh, phases where everybody's printing baby Groot and mm-hmm. baby Groot planter, planters uh, Every day you you log on to Facebook. There's another another post. They're like, I know we're tired of baby Groot Well, look at my baby Groot. Right. So everybody's doing baby Groot. I, I've never printed a baby Groot um, uh, I didn't really print many spinners. I did just a, just a handful um, for my boys and I put mirrors in them um, it's the um the hairy lion did you ever see the hairy lion i did do that because that was too radically cool um mm-hmm. the way the, the technique that they used. um but i would say 95 to 99 percent of what i'm printing is stuff that i've designed myself um and i am using the the fdm the fff printers the filament-based printers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a lot of color changes. So I I make a lot of uh, bird magnets. Um, I do uh, embedding of materials. So um, for my last Maker Faire in March, I was doing upcycling projects. So uh, I made bracelets that I was embedding um, parts of soda cans in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess my personal touch is probably... Just that it's my my own designs that I'm I'm doing, and uh, those are typically inspired by myself or, or loved ones.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely overlaps with the <laughs> with the uh, family and uh, history aspect that, that that makes your craft unique to you. That that's mm-hmm. something other people wouldn't be as likely to be in, uh, and definitely uh, the in, embedding uh, other objects into your prints. I, I don't see that a lot.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's, not, it's not too hard, right. <laughs> it turns out. You know, I think um, it happened. The first time I did it, I was embedding a print. I, I only had, I can only print one color at a time, at the time, and I wanted to do an angler fish, and I wanted parts of him to glow. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I did was I designed cavities inside of him, and I printed all these pieces out of glow fill that would glow in the dark, and then I paused the, the the print of the fish and put the glowing pieces inside. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, I, I don't know why it didn't immediately dawn on me, but one day I was looking at that fish and I'm like, wait a minute. I, I don't have to just take, you know, embed other 3D printed parts inside of 3D prints. I can embed anything I want. So I've been doing, let's see, what have I got? I've done, I've done nuts for tap handles and I've done mirrors. Um, um, uh what else oh, the soda cans uh i paused prints and filled them with sand because sometimes you'll have people come to you know a craft show booth and they see these items and when they pick them up they're so light mm-hmm. and that sort of gives like a, an an idea that they're that they're cheap you know mm-hmm. and so if you you fill them with sand they, they feel heavy they feel more substantial um, and sand's a bit messy, so if anybody wants to weigh down their prints, you may want to consider nuts or uh, bearing balls or, you know, something that's not as as messy as sand. And I've done split rings. I've, I've, I've done a lot of embedding and had fun with it. Uh, magnets. The magnets are a little fun. Uh, make sure um, that the components on your printer uh, head, your extruder, aren't... Um, uh, attractive to magnets, because right. the first time I did it, it, it jumped out. I used the printer, and it jumped out and stuck, <laughs> stuck to the printer. Right. So I had to switch switch printers that had a different kind of cooling fan.
0: Mm. That's that's uh really interesting. Like I, I definitely uh thought a lot about weight when uh when I was more involved in the three D printing, um, even with the SLS, because uh, that's like a ninety eight percent. Uh, solid object, it, it's fairly porous and fair, fairly light, that it just doesn't exactly. feel, it doesn't feel substantial as a uh, traditionally made object, and we're all, we all grew up with traditionally made objects that we're, we're used to that weight, and where weight adds value.
1: Now that uh, stainless steel, that's, that's pretty heavy.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I love that material. <laughs> uh, it's a little... Yeah, you know, it doesn't have the as high the accuracy, it doesn't have the, sometimes doesn't have the finish that you would like, but it's definitely a very interesting material. Um, I, I went to that uh, facility, X1. Yeah? Yeah. Is I, it
1: in Pittsburgh, right? Or
0: um, Pennsylvania? It, it, it's outside of Pittsburgh, but yeah, it's relatively close to Pittsburgh. I went there with uh, with Eric Ho. Can't remember the, the other uh, Shapeways. Um employee that went there with us, and uh, I think Jeremy was there, um, so I got to meet Jeremy, but it was a very interesting place. The, the, that process, you know, that they, they make their own printers that is, it's a lot like the uh, the color printers, where it uses a glue uh, mm-hmm. to, to bind the steel together, and then they have to put it in the furnace, where they pack it with uh, a material around it to support it, and then add... Um, the bronze in there that's going to be infused into it, and it goes through a stint that goes out to all the parts in the tray. I see. And they had this huge, long furnace line to, you know, infuse the bronze. Then they tumble it, and they got their uh, electroplating and everything. That one is, is uh, you know, it's not as direct as the SLS or the, the fused uh, printing, but it's uh, definitely more direct than the casting, the cast metals, the silvers and golds.
1: Yeah, I am somewhat envious of the, all the different technologies that you've gotten to see firsthand.
0: Uh, yeah, I've got to see quite a few. Um, I mean, I was, you know, at ShapeWays for several years. I was, I, I got to see the LIC factory when it first opened, when they had, I think, two or three printers in there. And the last time I was up there, they had you know at least 20 or 30 printers. So it it's grown a lot in the last few years. Say with your with your uh, birds, uh, is that another um, interest hobby, or is it a? I, I know, you like you do the oriole bird. Is it, did it start with being a, a local thing?
1: I think that's inspired by my maternal grandmother who uh, used to, she also used to live in Oncaquan and she had a bird feeder. So she taught me all these little birds. So I think uh, it was uh, the first time I learned to switch filaments, to change colors. I, I did a Virginia Tech logo. Um, which is where I went to school. And then I'm like, wow, okay, I can I can do different colors. What can I make with this? And so the first thing I did after that was make my grandmother's favorite bird, which is the chickadee, which chickadees do not sell at all. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, I made cardinals, and cardinals are crazy popular. It turns out it's the state bird of nine different states or something like that. Oh. And it turns out um, uh, people... Uh, Sometimes, uh, if they see a cardinal, they think it's a, a loved one coming back to visit. So uh, cardinals are pretty popular. Your orioles, the orioles are very popular, and you know have some some other birds that you just get surprises. And you know they're not as popular, but when someone does purchase one like a a red-winged blackbird Mm -hmm. um they always have like some kind of story behind it where they're like oh my mom grew up at a farm in new york and she always looked for these birds and now she lives far away so here's what uh, you know a red-winged blackbird that she could keep on her fridge so even if you do a a design or, or something that you make and it's not super duper popular, it, it may end up being meaningful to the people who do, do appreciate it. Um, I, I think another design of mine is, I have fireflies uh, done the same way with the birds, just like little 2D magnets um, where their rear ends will, will glow in the dark, just like a real firefly. And, you know, the sales are not as consistent as cardinals or orioles, uh, but when we do get the sales of the fireflies, it's someone who really loves fireflies and they, they just have a great appreciation for that insect, like I do.
0: Uh, that's oh. interesting. I I think kids would really like that. Here, we, I guess we call them lightning bugs, uh, <laughs> but
1: uh, lightning bugs, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and the, the kids just love catching them. Um, and so yeah, that's I. I to me, I would think that that would be a good seller, <laughs> one of your top ones.
1: <laughs> they had a really good run this past Christmas, which was interesting. Um, I'm not sure what happened this Christmas as opposed to the other Christmases, but, yeah, they, they did really well this Christmas.
0: Have you found uh, your sales have been uh, steady this year?
1: Um, for me, and I've only been doing that a few years, but always, like, October to, um, like, even the first two weeks of January is a really busy time. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, for me, uh, originally, I'm like, oh, Cyber Week's coming up. I got to get all my listings listings up before mm-hmm. Cyber Week, which is, I think, the last week in November. Um, I have found it's actually better to have everything Earlier than Cyber Week, because there are a, a great deal of sales happening early November, too. The, mm-hmm. So the, the quarter four is always quite busy. And um, I think third quarter is okay. I, I think it's a, the the first six months are usually slower. Right. Oh, well, except for the June area, I do get to, uh, some more orders because of um, weddings and stuff.
0: Mm. So, so not much for the... Uh... Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day?
1: Oh, uh, I do have some bow ties that get some action for Father's Day. Uh, Valentine's, I don't think I really have many strong, strong products for. I <laughs> don't really hit that one, um, which is probably something I can improve on in future years.
0: Yeah, I, I always think about it uh, as the holidays happening. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be Valentine's Day, and I'll be like, man, I should have made stuff for Valentine's Day. Then I'll make stuff, and then it'll be ready for the following yes, year. But <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it just seems to me this year has been uh, slower starting. Um, you know, last year I was doing quite a bit of mallets already by now, and uh, this year it's been very much slower.
1: Oh,
0: interesting! I wonder, I wonder what's um, what might be behind that. Yeah, I don't know. I've uh, boosted my, uh, I've got my shop on Amazon handmade, and uh, I've boosted my promotions and everything. It's just been slower. I've
1: had, I, hope it, I hope it starts to
0: speed up. Yeah, not, I hope so, not too. too much. I mean, it can speed up as much as it wants to right now. <laughs> but, but I've had uh, quite a few uh, return orders, people that I've made stuff for in the past. I do a lot of glassware. It's usually more popular at shows than it is selling online. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, I've had quite a few you know, return orders, uh, uh, doing my marketing online, finding people more than the uh, online shop.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And then I do a lot of stuff for my family as well. Um, I've got a mirror that I need to etch for my my aunt and uh, my mom. She has uh, these crab purses that she's making. So I've got a... Crab purses? Yeah. That's an interesting idea that she has and I've been trying to influence it as much as i can uh but i've got this red fabric that i've been cutting on the laser that i I need to do cut out some more crabs for that and need to print some out so i can iron them on the fabric to cut them out it's a lot of (laughs) a lot of work to do i have
1: to say i'm very intrigued by crab purses i think that's neat
0: Yeah, we. Uh, she's done a couple prototypes. The one, uh, you know, looks like a crab with, uh, you know, uh, pipe cleaners in the legs for moving the legs and everything. Um, who knows what the with the caps winning that might become a thing. I saw uh, some college student or high school student uh, threw a crab on the ice, and so uh, <laughs> Jimmy's uh, Seafood was promoting that anyone that threw a crab on the ice would get eight free crab cakes. So. Hopefully, hopefully that helps the crab business. You know, that helps the
1: marketing. <laughs>
0: right, I, I should do a promotion if they throw a crab mallet on the ice. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we'll talk about the uh, Rep 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 Festival. Rep Rep Festival, is that right?
1: That's correct. Um, This year we're having the very first East Coast Rip Rap Festival, and it's going to be on June 23rd and June 24th in Bel Air, Maryland. And you can think of it as a big giant 3D printing party uh, celebration. Uh, We're going to have a lot of uh, 3D printing uh, companies there that will be displaying some of their newer technologies. And then we're also going to have exhibitors community exhibitors um, that are there as well sharing their work their 3d models their 3d printers their 3d prints Um, You'll see some insane post-processing Where people will you know take these simple 3d models and paint them or they'll add them to animatronics or the maybe they'll make a working violin Um, So it's going to be a very very exciting um, show I'm anticipating and and If you buy your tickets in advance, it's $10 for the whole weekend for an adult, and anyone under 18 is free. And then um, if anyone out there wants to try their hand at a design project, on June 23rd, we're going to have a 3D-printed derby race. And this is going to be like the famous uh, Pinewood Derby that the Boy Scouts do. And, in fact, we have a local Boy Scout troop that is going to help us run the event, and we're going to be using their official track. Uh, All the cars have to follow the usual Boy Scout rules, with the exception that the main body of the car is not going to be made out of uh, Pinewood. It's going to be 3D printed. And if you don't have a 3D printer, you could be like me, where you can start to design something and then have someone else print it for you. Uh, That is permitted in the rules. And yeah, we've been, um, we and my two sons have been making cars and it's been a really good family design project. And I think, uh, the East Coast Rip Rap Festival, and we've been calling it Earth for short, <laughs> and we think Earth is going to be a great family event as well.
0: So, uh, yeah, it definitely sounds like a great thing to help get your kids, uh, more involved and more interested in the design and, uh. Production aspect. I, I find with mine, I I'll try to get them to work on something with me, and it, getting getting usable content out of them is usually not the easiest thing to do.
1: You do have to be creative for you know age appropriate things. Mm-hmm. You know, when my kids were super young, uh, one of the things that they like to do is put painters tape on the print bed, you know, to help the print stick. You know, they liked putting the tape up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my my four year old, he's been having. Uh, fun painting his derby car, and that you—I have to, you know, let go. If you like, oh, he's not, you know, like he's—he's he's getting paint on other pieces of the car, and he's trying to do just the windows. But it's okay, it's—it's it's his car. Right. Um, my older one, uh, he likes taking off support material. He—he he likes sanding. He's gonna like painting. So, yeah, and um, both of them, I think they like playing around in Tinkercad. My, my kids are uh, four and six right now, and Tinkercad, it's all its colors and the shapes, uh, it's conducive to, to them uh, learning and playing around.
0: Yeah, I've got a seven-year-old and a ten-year-old. Uh, the ten-year-old's pretty much a teenager who's not interested in anything right now. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the six-year-old, uh, she's off the wall, so... Um, well, over Christmas, I was trying to design a star for our tree, and I wanted them to help with designing that. And uh, they came up with some interesting design ideas that were not uh, easily producible. <laughs> <laughs> so so that didn't work out this year. We'll, we'll try again. Well, it didn't work out last year. We'll try again this year. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to make our own star. So, That's,
1: that might be a neat little tradition every year, make your, make a, a different star for the family.
0: Yeah, that was my idea. So uh, this year I'll have to rein them in some, give them a little less freedom with it. I think that was the, the issue <laughs> is that they they went a little too wild. Um, so with, with the RepRat Festival, it sounds like you're really involved in the organization of it.
1: Yeah, um, somehow I got on the board, <laughs> and yeah, so I'm helping, I think uh, I'm going to be doing um, check-in and um, with uh, some volunteers and helping um, sell tickets at, at the door, if anybody, uh, I would advise to buy tickets online ahead of time, because the price will go up at the door, mm-hmm. um, but if you do show up at the door, I might be the one swiping your card to, to get your ticket.
0: So, so you're not going to be uh, exhibiting at this one?
1: Okay, so what I'm working on this, I I really I want I want to exhibit. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find um, someone to share a table with me, just like back in the, our early days of uh, Maker Faire Nova, where you and I shared a table. Right. So i put a few feelers out. I haven't had any takers yet, um, but if not, maybe what I do is I just have uh, faith in the 3D printing community, and I just put my stuff out there, and you know, just um, yeah. Uh, with the explanations and uh, you know like what's going on and stuff but yeah I do want to try to to, to keep being visible so I'm, I'm I'm working on that
0: all right so yeah if there's anyone out there looking to share a table Vicki is looking for a table mate um, yeah. and uh, yeah I, I remember you definitely had lots of interesting designs that definitely brought people in to looking in Being able to design, I I think you had a a jack-o'-lantern design, right?
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, we were just talking about involving kids. Mm -hmm. Um, With that, we had, uh, I have a, it's using the fancy, um, uh, powder printers, the SLS printers um, from the three D printing service bureaus. I have a, a Jack lantern design that um, you can have three s- sets of eyes, three sets of noses, and three sets of mouths, and it, it, you can um, it's moving parts, so you can configure the the faces that you want. You can you know turn it so you have these eyes, and turn it so it's this nose. And so what we did to involve kids like that um, Maker Faire Nova was we had them all draw uh, faces for the jack-o'-lantern. And then, uh, we picked three winners. Actually, I picked six winners. And, um, uh, most of my designs will start with, you know, a sketch or, you know, I have little post-it notes all over. My mom, my mom is well-trained. She lives with us. And if she sees a random post-it note with a drawing, she leaves it because she, (laughs) it might be some of my brainstorming. Um, but you know, a lot of designs still start with drawing and kids can draw every you know every kid can draw so um we took those drawings and that's what i modeled i modeled some faces off of that and carved those faces out of the the pumpkin and um sent all the winners uh, a a 3d print a fancy uh dialogue lantern 3d print
0: right and that's something where you can start them with a, a a template that uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of keep them in the box to start with, but give them the idea that they can go outside the box uh, with their own designs. If they want to yes, design yeah. something other than a, a pumpkin. They could uh, design a birdhouse or some some other shape and have more control, uh, but still have that feeling that what they drew, what they imagined, uh, came to life.
1: Yeah, it was theirs their their unique touch on it.
0: Right. All right, so uh, after the RepRap Rap Festival, you have anything else coming up?
1: <laughs> I might take a little time off. Um, my next craft show is going to be in September, I think the last week in September. And um, I did a lot of upcycling projects for the last Maker fair And from the reaction I got from people, I think some of those I'm going to um, turn into products uh, for the craft show. Like I have some little hanging planters that are made out of Tic Tac containers. And I also have shelving sets uh, for beads and little craft supplies that are also TikTok containers. And I made some planters out of old filament spools, which uh, surprised me that, you know, the people wanted it. So, uh, yeah, I think what I'll try to do is refine those designs and uh, make a bunch of them for the craft show and add them to my uh,
0: existing inventory. So you had uh, this year's Maker Faire already passed.
1: Yeah, that was in March 18th.
0: March 18th, uh, mm-hmm. and so at that you you display, but you also sell.
1: Oh no, I yeah. For maker fairs, I tend to just do try to do the educational part.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so and that's also a free booth. So uh, I do the free booth.
0: <laughs> right, but to be a, a vendor, you have to pay for that spot.
1: Yeah, but it's it's reasonable. It's 150 dollars, I think, at the maker fair if you want to sell.
0: And that's for the Northern Virginia.
1: Yeah, Maker
0: right. Faire Nova. Right. Uh, I know for the the New York one, a little little bit more pricey. Yeah. <laughs> but The, uh, the USA
1: Science Engineering Festival I think is pretty pretty um, uh, a different pricing model as well.
0: Yeah, uh, but it, it, they're they're amazing shows. The, the local ones are amazing, and then the national ones. I only ever got to go to the New York one, but it was it was always amazing every year. The different. Different creators around, the different uh, businesses around, as well as they they always have a show. Um, The last one I went to, they were doing drone racing, Uh, so it was just constant the whole weekend (laughs) where uh, having these drone races in this netted cage. Oh, neat! It it was amazing, and uh, it was just before the death of Radio Shack, where (laughs) Radio Shack Uh they had an area where you could make a drone for free, and that line was always giant (laughs) we we tried to get in it a couple times and it just wasn't moving and but yeah that was that was the death throes of radio shack i believe
1: oh yeah i've never been to the the new york maker fair or bay 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 area maker fair uh the 3d printing community has just a wonderful supportive community on twitter so i often live vicariously through them they they're um frequently posting their pictures and the little
0: snippets and the videos. So I'll watch those, and, and the, both events look amazing. Yeah, the the last one I took uh, my oldest daughter to, and she was just amazed by it and uh, really got her into making things, and then she turned into a teenager and stopped caring about making things. But it, they're, they're always an experience, always learning. And then, like I said, I, I just learn that I love meeting people and talking to them about their stuff. And, and like you said, with having people have their own stories where, as being a vendor, you get to get these other people's views and aspects on what you do. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a stigma. I, I feel on 3d printing that is, that it's not as much of that handmade of making where I, you know, it's, it's different, but I feel there's a lot of handmade. You know, we have to do the designing, which, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're making jewelry by hand, you're you're probably sketching and designing and stuff. But to to do that in the 3D world and the CAD world is uh, is its own handmade challenge. I I think that's very relatable to the other handmade fields.
1: I was surprised. I got invited to a holidays art market uh, a number of years ago, and I showed up, and I was very self-conscious because to me, like, we had... Some legitimate artists, you know, the painters and the sculptors, and I was worried of what they would think of me. And mm-hmm. um, I was very surprised that they, they completely embraced me, just like, you know, like a true artist is one of them, and they just had a lot of questions about my processes and stuff like that. And um, I even got invited to speak at a local art guild. So um, there are open, there's are a lot of open-minded artists out there, so that's good.
0: Definitely. I- I, I don't really feel the the stigma myself from uh, as much from other makers, but from an outside view. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I applied for Amazon Handmade, I was kind of surprised that I got accepted. I've heard others that do three D printing that uh, have been denied going, get being on uh, Amazon Handmade. Yeah, you know, I, I made sure to put in my application that I do even with my three D printing stuff that I do a lot of hands on finishing and. Quality control and everything. Um, the the printing bureaus aren't up to my standards yet.
1: <laughs> I uh, I actually uh, I sliced my thumb open getting a print off the bed once, so I, I took a picture as proof, like three D printing right. is his pants on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, well, I haven't done any of that with three D printing, but definitely with the laser and uh, like the mallets, I make them all from scratch. And uh, the one time. I, thought I broke my thumb with cutting, uh, cutting the uh, dowels for the mallets. I uh, had a kickback, but it's scary business sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Sanding, painting. There's, yeah, there's a lot of hands-on that comes
0: with 3D Definitely. And I, I had a similar experience. Yours, uh, MPT, uh, invited me out to a um, an art scape show. Uh, it's something they filmed for a show that they do, and um, it was like a charity event. So there was like we we made things that were auctioned off and um, had a raffle for and everything. And it was again where I was, I was up there with my laser and with my 3D prints. And I'm, there's someone ever painting. There's someone ever bending wire. And I'm like, how do I? I? I I was feeling like I didn't really belong there. But uh, you know the the people there were definitely amazed with what I do. You know, there's a lot that goes into the artwork for the laser, a lot that goes into the knowing the processes for the 3D printing, and it definitely seemed to me that like the camera crew and everything, they were all like, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't know how much I belong here. They were like, oh no, we're, <laughs> we're, we're glad that we're expanding into the more technology uh, handmade that um, they were just amazed with the, the laser running and making the personalized things on demand, and, and then I did a, I had the uh, sensor, the structure sensor, so I could 3D scan people, so I, I 3D scanned a, a woman there, so it was definitely, uh, you know, a new experience for a lot of the people there, but it, they, they didn't make me feel out of place as much as I've made myself feel out of
1: place. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that was, that was me, like, being guarded, and there was no reason they were so, so welcoming and embracing. mm
0: mm-hmm. And the, they always amaze me with what they do. I, I, Another reason I network with the people is that uh, I love to be able to work together. Like, you know, you do this thing really well, and I do this thing really well, and I think they really work well together. And I, I don't want to, you know, steal their craft or steal their, their drive. Uh, I'd rather incorporate theirs into mine or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like uh, my, my jewelry friend that I'll uh, be doing on an episode I've made a few pendants for her the the laser etching I'm able to make things that she has a vision of I'm able to easily make them quickly that adds you know I, I do them in wood and acrylic to so add that with her silver and gemstones and everything it adds that, that touch that she wouldn't normally add herself oh, nice. yeah. so it helps yeah it's more of a blend where instead of you know I, where I was offering the 3D printing, it would kind of, like, take over the processes she already has. Mm-hmm. Wh- which I, I think is kind of, like, she's already like, I'm already doing this. I don't, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't need to replace that. Uh, but where what I do adds to it instead of replacing is the value added. Yeah. So w- with, your, uh, with your models, so you, you do them for weddings... Have you gotten in, in any of the, like, model trains or anything?
1: Um, no. I think I have some failed buildings that are, you know, um, uh, buildings that maybe I can uh, give a home to some of the um, model train uh, folk, um, you know, like where I do a practice building or, you know, um, something like that. But, yeah, I haven't done anything with trains. I'm sure my youngest would love if I branch into that because uh, he loves loves trains right now.
0: Right. Well, I mean, uh, so do you do them to scale? Uh, I mean, uh, you, you draw them accurately so that they're uh, a, rep- a one-to-one representation, but do you do them to an exact scale?
1: I do them a uh, Christmas ornament size pretty much. Right. So, I yeah, make them
0: into little Christmas ornaments. But so they're not like whatever the train scales are, like 127th or 145th yeah, or, or anything? Or <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, uh, if there's a local train enthusiast, that, that might be something that they'd want to have as a piece of Algonquin history on their train set.
1: Yeah. Which I've, I've had some people mention it before. You know, they'll see, see it on a live stream or something. But yeah, it's uh, something I haven't tapped into yet.
0: Might be something to look into. Seeing, uh, you know, scaling is something that's sometimes fairly easy to do in the 3D printing. They're just something to offer people, and if it lands, yeah, it lands.
1: They are cute, and I did do my um, grandfather's house too. So they're we like here. You have you have the house my grandfather
0: designed. Right on your
1: train set.
0: <laughs> what, was that the one with the bricks?
1: Uh, yeah, it does have bricks. Yeah, it's bricks and stonework.
0: I I remember Uh, one one we had talked about with bricks and how to do the texturing and everything on it. I don't know if that was that that building or not.
1: It could be a couple buildings. Right. (laughs) But the good thing is once you do one, you know, like, I I think I used the same stonework in three different buildings. Mm -hmm. You just import it in and and, um, put it on a new building.
0: Yeah, definitely once you, get, once you get that look that you're after, it's definitely something that you can carry over into other models. Transfer again. So that wraps us up for episode one of Making It. I know I learned a lot from Vicki today, as well as a lot about recording a podcast. Like maybe record saying goodbye to your guest. So I'd like to thank Vicki again for joining me in my first episode through all the stumbles. For now, the plan is to have a monthly guest to share with us their craft and their story. I have a few people lined up, and if you feel you would like to share with us as well, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at mikewilliams at melange.co, that's mikewilliams at m-e-l-a-n-g-e co, and I hope you tune in to my next episode.